the drama of Rosh Hashanah, like that of many other Chagim, is the human drama. However, whilst in many of the other Chagim, the drama is that of a particular individual, be it Moshe Rabbeinu or Prima for Paro, be it Matisiel, the Maccabi and Hanukkah, be it Mordechai and Esther and Shushan, the drama of Rosh Hashanah is that of the human condition. Man confronting God, finite being approaching infinite glory, pleading his case, this man with a capital M, the human situation rather than particular individuals. With the exception of Yitzhak Avinu, we focus upon man, Ma'aseh Enosh, Ma'aseh Elokeinu, Melech Elyon, Melech Avion. We do not focus upon particular stark individuals. However, surprisingly enough, one individual figures prominently in Rosh Hashanah, and that is Noah. In Musaf, certainly one of the highlights of the day, in the midst of Machas Zichron's Veshalfros, smack in the middle, we suddenly come across the following passage. Suddenly Noach appears, enters the stage of our tefillah, takes us by surprise, sneaks in, so to speak, to the center stage of Shwan Esrei, and there he is, being recollected and remembered how God recollected and remembered his condition. It's not just a mention of Noach in passing. He happens to be at the focal point of Matthias Zichron's Veshofaros. If we take the three brachos, we have actually six sections, the narratives and the psukim. Narrative of Matthias, narrative of Zichron's Veshofaros, and of course the psukim. Noach appears exactly in the, after the end of the third section, between the beginning and the fourth. Here's a transition from the narrative of Zichronos to the Psukim. I.e., we've already mentioned the narrative of Malchios, the Psukim of Malchios, the narrative of Zichronos. Ahead of us, yes, ahead of us yet lies the Psukim of Zichronos, the narrative of Shofaros, and the Psukim of Shofaros. Simply put, he's exactly the 50 yard line appearing in the middle, center stage, Pshuto Kimashmo. However, it's not only quantitatively, but also qualitatively. There's a transition in this brachot from Din to Rachamim, an exacting standard of divine justice, to compassion, to mercy, to Kaddish Baruch who takes us under his wing, remembering us, and judging us, forgivingly and compassionately, 
as a father judges his sons. This transition happens exactly at this point. Machios, as the whole subject matter implies, has to do with God's glory, His greatness, how great and transcendent He is, and therefore essentially is deen, the greatness of God and the pettiness of man. Zichronus begins with recollection of our misdeeds, an accounting, a reckoning of all that we have done. All of our accounts are laid forth. The book is opened. The reckoning has begun. This is an idea of deen. All is remembered. Nothing is lost. Everything is there to be presented. No memory failure. No need to reboot the system. Is all present in front of Melech Machem Lachi. Rabbi Zichronus begins with Atazochem Asik Kulam Olam Ufokeb Kotre Kedem and talks about Ezul Ahav, Ezul Asova, Mila Chayim Mila Mavet. It concludes on the note of Zochem Abris, remembering the covenant, remembering the friendship, remembering the love. To the Kaddish Baruch Hu and the Avos, to the Kaddish Baruch Hu and us as their descendants between God and man. If the memory of the beginning of Zichronos is that of Dean, frightening, scary, harrowing, the memory of the conclusion is of compassion and love. The transition appears when the narrative moves on to the Psukim. The opening narrative describes Dean, the Psukim, Suddenly shift the motif to one of Rachamim, to one of compassion. And the vehicle through which this is achieved, the linchpin of the transition, is Noach. In other words, he's not, it's not a mere mention of a historical figure. He is the person, the vehicle, through which the transition is achieved in the Shemona Esrei. And therefore, we must examine and understand the role that Noach plays in the drama of Rosh Hashanah. To do this, we have to begin to take into account the Rosh Hashanah, the drama that it involves, and man's condition within it. In this regard, let us begin by calling Medrash in the Midbar Rabbah. Medrash describes an encounter between Moshe Rabbeinu and the Kaddish Baruch Hu, how Moshe approaches the Kaddish Baruch Hu and has the following conversation. As Yoshe Yisrael, this is mentioned in the end of Parshas Chukas, Ze'echa migimu dvarim shomem Moshe from the Kaddish Baruch Hu ve'amalo limadetani. Three things Moshe Rabbeinu told the Kaddish Baruch Hu and the Kaddish Baruch Hu conceded that Moshe Rabbeinu would actually tell him something he did not know. Men had instructed God. Which 
ואנחנו היו עומדים שם שנר ואין אדם מרחוק. ולא נתת אותה אלא לי, שנאמר ומשה אמר עליה לשם. וכשנשאת את הדיבר שלו נשאת להם, לא אמרת אם יש שם אלוקיכם, אלא נוח השם אלוקיך. לי אמרת, שמא חטאסי? אמר הקדוש ברוך הוא, חייך יפה אמרת, לי מדתני. מכאן בערך אני אוהב בלשון, אני השם אלוקיכם. מדרש, we come to following episode. משווינו כן, and tells the Kaddish Baruch Hu that something is wrong in the presentation. Kaddish Baruch Hu says, Anochi Hashem Elokecha, which misleads the people into thinking he's the private God of Moshe Abeinu, he's disassociated from the rest of the people, he doesn't take them into account, they grew up in Egypt, they lack understanding. They assume the Kaddish Baruch Hu begrudges them that what the Zara they had, they had worshipped. And therefore Moshe says, by saying, Lo Hashem Elokecha, you must lead them into thinking that you do not take them into account. The Medishtim brings two other examples. One is, Kaddish Baruch Hu said, Poked Avon Avot Al-Banim. And Moshe Rabbeinu came and said, if you say Pokal Avon Avot Al-Banim, Kama Rishem Ulu Tzadikim, Yodim Avot Avihem, so many Rishayim had, so many Tzadikim, excuse me, had parents who were Rishayim, if you hold us against them, if they're accountable for the sins of their fathers, they'll never get off the ground, they'll despair immediately, therefore the policy must be, Ish Becheto Yumatu, Vayumtu Avot Al-Banim, once the Kosh Baruch Hu concedes the point and changes. The third one is when going to war in Bamidbar it says Kosh Baruch Hu tells Moshe Rabbeinu to attack Sichon in Devarim it describes how Moshe sent peace offer to Sichon only when, when it was rejected did Moshe then go and attack. In all three cases the Medish pinpoints examples in which later sections of the Torah seem to deviate from previous sections, and in all three cases, it attributes the change to Moshe Rabbein instructing Kaddish Baruch Hu. A radical claim, one of the basics of our Muna is Kaddish Baruch Hu is unchangeable, is immutable, that men cannot instruct God, Kaddish Baruch Hu is perfect wisdom. The Medrash itself is aware of the radicality of its claim, it puts into Moshe Rabbeinu's mouth, Shema Chatasi, maybe I'm in error, because Baruch Hu comforts him, that's not the case. But what then is going on the Medrash? What is the Medrash trying to tell us? It seems as follows, clearly from an objective, metaphysical standpoint, because Baruch Hu's absolute wisdom, his MS, his Chachma, and clearly, Moshe Rabbeinu can instruct him, and the original directive is true and correct. Nevertheless, Moshe Rabbeinu says, not from the absolute objective standard, from the viewpoint of human psychology, which I, Moshe Rabbeinu, know better, because I am a human being. From the viewpoint of human frailty, of human weakness, we must change things to take human weakness into account. 
whether or not we see Moshe Rabbeinu instructing Kaddish Baruch Hu, as the Medrash presents it, whether we assume that Kaddish Baruch Hu himself programs this into his calculations, either way, the basic point of the Medrash is that human frailty and weakness must be taken into account. Without taking that into account, the world cannot exist. Even though the Kaddish Baruch Hu created the world means Hadin, if we will not have Rachamim enter into the picture, if we only Elohim and not Hashem Elohim, if we will only adhere to the divine exacting standard of justice, of truth, man will always succumb. For instance, we're B'nai Yisrael to attack Sichon without making a peace offer first. They will become either cruel, insensitive people, or they will think the Kaddish Baruch Shalom is cruel and insensitive. Human nature cannot grasp not offering peace before going to war. Even though metaphysically it may be a standard which is true, human psychology will not be able to bear such a burden. If a person is born knowing that two strikes against him, he will not have the necessary abilities and capabilities to carry on. For a person to be able to exercise his free choice, to choose the derech hayashar, to be able to do bachate bachayim, he has to be able to know that he starts with a level playing field. Human psychology demands this. And this is the lesson that Moshe Rabbeinu was trying to get across. That the world can only be handled not through objective absolute standards. Rather, they must take into account the human condition as it exists. But Olam Hazeh, in our world with all its shortcomings and with all of man's weaknesses. And Kashbarah who concedes the point and accepts Moshe Rabbeinu who represents human, the human viewpoint. <coughs> Is this point which is made often in Chazal and occasionally in Tehillim as well. David HaMelech in two powerful passages in Sefer Tehillim tells us Ki hu yada yitzreinu zachru is aware of our yetzer of our desires of our frailty zachur kefar nachnu He knows that we're material beings that we formed out of matter he knows we're human and not angels or not anything else, but rather human beings created out of dust with material needs. Even more striking passage in Perkin Aleph, when David Amelech says Vidui about the Chet of Batsheva, he makes the same point there in Magical Elaboration. And says he says over there, Heim Bavon Cholalti, Uvechet Ichmasni Imi. What he's basically saying is, man is conceived in sin. Yetzirah is present at the very conception of man. The moment of conception, I was created through, this, through sin, through desire, through taiva, through Yetzirah. And therefore, unlike Shakespeare's Lear, who takes as a sign of the corruption of human nature, David HaMelech makes us a case that God should accept 
human beings as they are. Because that's how they're created. That's how the Kosh world causes to be created. Yetzer, desire, are programmed into the system and therefore legitimate and must be taken into account. Due to the corruption of, the, of human nature, they rather prove that the human being, as he is, once and all, must be accepted by the Kodesh Baruch Hu, because we are his creatures. It is this point we're trying to exemplify through Noah. Noah is the classic everyman. If we go back to the Bereshis, if you look at the story of Noah, we see something very interesting. Noah is not a rogue figure. As I said before, we can even call him an everyman. He is not going out to conquer the world. He does not seek to create followers. He has a dream of challenging God. His role is thrust upon him. Circumstances contribute to put him in position, which is the only tzaddik tamim. He's the only person left. Because Rokhman has no choice but to go back to him. Let's for a moment analyze the end of of Pasha's Gracious. Read the story of the genealogy of human of the human race until the times of Noah. And then we come across a few puzzling psukim. We come across here the juxtaposition of two partials, of two approaches, of two different races almost. We have it in Bnei Elohim. Whatever the exact meaning of the phrase is, and it remains in the Gemara to this very day, what Bnei Elohim mean, what they certainly were, were heroic figures, larger than right, larger than life. Straddling the globe, they came down, and heroic as they were, they became corrupt, they began using their powers and the prowess to chase women. Basically, the human desire transformed the heroism into corruption. And the thrilling of the Aretz, the Gamach Gibarim, heroic figures larger than life, but they bring about the corruption of the human race that we arrive at in the Pashas Noach. As opposed to them, Noach, one could say a mediocre, a Benoni, an everyman, he's not heroic, he goes by his daily life, he doesn't seek to conquer the world. All he's doing is a simple thing. He's living his life, living a decent life. Not a corrupt life, but a decent one. And as such, he has chosen to continue the human race. We don't know much about him, who he was, aside from the statement that he was East Sadiq Tamim Abed We know, we do not know much. 
we do know, we do know though that later on he became Isha Dama that he went into the Teva. He did forget to bring some grape seeds to be able to plant a vine afterwards. Noah knew that he wanted to have a good drink when the Mabu was over. He clearly was an Isha Dama, not a heroic spiritual figure, much more down to earth, as the later episodes testified to. In addition, many Midrashi make the point that Noah simply was the best of a bad lot. If you remember the famous Medrash of Aishorach Noah, how he was sitting by the lion, he almost didn't make it out of, out of the Teva, he basically crawled over the finish line of the Mabul, injured, wounded, because he's surviving, and the point of the Medrash is very clear, Noah didn't deserve to survive either. It was the human DNA that had to be transmitted. Someone had to somehow survive. So therefore, Noah just about made it. There's another Medrash, Kaddish Baruch Hu, we dread having created Noah also. Once more, what could he do? The idea that the world must continue, the race must survive, forced him to pick Noah, who was simply the best of all the people. But he remained a meek and a weak figure, who was somehow was able to transmit uh, the race to cross the threshold of the Mabul into a new world. However, this decision to prefer Noah over the Bnei Elohim, the every man over the hero, the meek over the great, the Benoni over the Bnei Elohim, was a decision that the world we founded upon, human frailty, human weakness, will take into account the shortcomings of man. If you read in Pajas Noach the story of his emergence from the Teva, you see how it's analogous in many respects to the description of Adam in the beginning of Sefer Bereshis with one big difference. If Adam was a heroic figure, who sinned and challenged Kaddish Baruch Hu, hours within creation. Noah is a meek figure who does what he's told to do, ends up drinking and sleeping. Upon this figure, the world is created. In essence, on Rosh Hashanah, we go and say, it is not the heroic world, it is not the heroes presenting himself in front of God, it is every man. The weak, plain, human Benoni. Noah is Sifan Shobainuni. And as such, we invoke his memory in Zichronos to come to the Kaddish Baruch Hu. We are asking you to judge us favorably. Not because we're great. Not because we have great achievements. Not because we have no Venus. We're not. It's rather because we're Noah's. Meaning, if you want to judge a human being in Rosh Hashanah, Take into account that the world creates weak people. Human frailty is part of the system. Human failure is part of the system. Human sin is part of the system. We're created in sin. Our weaknesses are part of the system. If you condone the system and you do, if you want the world, 
Biviat olam, v'obashchatat olam. You want the world to exist, to develop. You must accept us as we are. It is not midat adin. It is rather what the Ramban would call later on, rachamim bedin. A din, a standard, which, take, which has compassion within it, because it takes into account human weakness. And therefore we come and say, Kodesh Baruch Hu, Noah is a, in essence our forefather. He is the person, he is the paradigm of human existence as we emerge after the Mabu. And it is the post-Diluvian world that exists now. It is that world that you are judging today. It is not the world of Adam, of B'nai Elohim. It is the world of Noah and his Tzatzaim. Is the world in which you decided to let the world of Noah exist. We are his descendants. It is us who emerged from the Teva. It is the paradigm of Noah's existence which we take with us day in, day out. And with which we approach on Rosh Hashanah. This, of course, can create a paradigm for judging us berachamim uveratzon, provided that our sins are not great, are not heroic, are quote unquote average, run of the mill. It is the human or the normal human failure. It's these sins that we come and request the forgiveness. For the greater sins, for major transgressions, Yom Kippur is waiting in the wings. We will be having Yom Kippurim to override Chetaegel, to override sins, sins of such magnitude. And Rosh Hashanah, it is those which are proven into the system. It is human existence as such which we, with which we come and plead for. And this is the role of Noah, the representative of human existence as it is, and the request of Kaddish Baruch Hu to have a world in which the Emes, in which the Deen, takes into account human standards. Saint Moshe Rabbeinu told the Kaddish Baruch Hu at Medrash, take into account their weaknesses, and the Kaddish Baruch Hu said, Dittani, so too we come to Rosh Hashanah and make the same request. Kaddish Baruch Hu take into account our mode of existence, our desires programmed into us, and judge us accordingly. It is this idea which exists in Zichronos, is this which makes Noah so important for our goals. This is a medrash which the rebels fond of quoting. Medrash describes when man was created, how the angels, the Malachi Asharis, had a debate in the heavens whether man is worthy of being created. Emes said, don't create him. He's false. Not that he lies. He's false to himself. Others, Tzedakah said, create him. He does Tzedakah. He has compassion. He has mercy. Even though he may be false. We are familiar with the fact that we are often willing to help others even though we can look ourselves in the mirror. We are weird. We are not always faithful and consistent with our inner truth. And the message concludes, Kaddish Baruch Hu took MS, he knew what to do, it was a stalemate in the sky, 
He took MS and hurled them down from the heaven. But Tashlechem et Ayat, as the Pasuk and Tilim says, and from the earth sprang forth a new truth. Emet me eretz titzmach. Simply put, the Medrash juxtaposes two psukim. One which describes Emes being toppled down from the heavens down to earth. Another one describing how Emes is growing from the soil. And the point, of course, is the absolute exact standard of Emes which exists upstairs in the heavens. The world cannot exist. It will cause the world not to be able to present itself, not to be able to survive judgment, any reckoning will deem the world unworthy. But if we take the emet, which springs from the earth, from the natural conditions of human existence, the emet, which takes into account the way we are, the way we created, the world we live in, and is willing to figure them into the calculation, is willing to take into account human nature, that emet springs forth, grows to the heavens, is upon that emet that we present ourselves to Kaddish Baruch Hu. This is the world he desired, this is the world he chose. Not the ideal platonic world, but rather the world of flesh and blood, of human nature, of human desires, of anger, of jealousy, and all the like taking all this into account, recognizing our weaknesses, we come and say, And the son of Kodesh Baruch remembered Noach, and from his descendants created a whole new world, races upon races, the achievements of shame and Ham and Yefet. So to become every Rosh Hashanah, say Kodesh Baruch Hu, if you remember Noach, please remember us too.